Hello and welcome to the Mullet Over Podcast. Yeah, that was a really dumb one. <laughs> oh my goodness. We just heard a jet fly over. I know, I could fun, definitely so. hear the I could hear the inspiration there. Warning, warning. We are in the in the fly zone. I mean, they were like we're a good ways away from the sun and fun, but these jets um, that we're not used to hearing all the time. We just had a couple of them fly over. So who knows what will happen during this podcast. We may have to enter, deal with some interference. Who knows? It's pretty cool. Sun and fun. I like sun and oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Phillips worked them a bunch of years. So we've been over there and uh, gotten to watch the Blue Angels and every kind of plane imaginable and helicopters. And the funny story was one of his friends that came in on a paraglider, came all the way from Ocala on a paraglider, like pulled into rest, I mean, to, uh, yeah, like gas stations and to refuel. Fuel. He would just yeah. like land at a gas station, <laughs> take off from the gas station. He was like a teenager. This kid is interesting. I don't remember his name. Oh, was it There's da- always was stories it, about him. It wasn't Dakota. Who was it? I don't remember who it was. That might be. Was it? No, uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, hilarious. No, so Phillips, Phillips had sounded fun this weekend and I was jokingly like, hey, you know, kids get in for free. You want to take my kids? <laughs> this weekend do they get in for free yeah under 10 i wanted to go last night and take and not last night night before last and take them and watch from the outside of christy and charlie go there and they just watching it i guess there was going to be parachuters and stuff like that but we didn't have the car seats so oh yeah yeah gonna take nathaniel and the grandkids so didn't do it no that, that would have been fun how much is it i don't know it's not cheap it's i don't know 30 bucks a person and you know, like it's, it's, it's amazing. Not like $4 it's pretty entry. amazing, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, we get to go see planes every now and then and not every kind of plane. It's just not my biggest fascination. I love it, but when was the last time you were in a plane with Philip? It has been a while and I've been asking too. And Nathaniel's been asking, so we need to, my, my kids have still never been in, really? in a plane, but, but part of that's also just because like, I don't Mom know. Mom said I, no. No. Well, <laughs> I, I'm still tra- traumatized from the first time Philip took me off. <laughs> like, not even kidding. Still. Yeah. He intended to do that to you. Oh, well, mission accomplished. <laughs> and I have accommodated that fear since. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were talking about that today. We had somebody working over at the property. And, uh, and we were talking because we had some planes flying over out there as well. And uh, so we were just talking about, they were. he was like, if God had intended us to fly, he would have given us wings. And <laughs> we, I, I know people that have died flying those little planes. Yeah. That's, yeah, know, it's sobering. It I, I don't is. worry about Philip, but it is still sobering. Yeah, definitely agree. So today for the podcast, we have had some guests scheduled. and Some pretty amazing guests. They will be on this podcast at a later date. One had sun poisoning. The other, their child had to go to the doctor. And they that, that was, I just got the text a little bit ago. So I'm like, I think God's got something special for today. What do you think God's got for today? You know, I've had a number of things go through my mind. And uh, so I don't know if we're going to hit all those topics, but... Um, yeah, just a huge part of our ministry and something I've I've pondered now for 30 plus years is the Great Commission says, go make disciples, teaching everything I've taught you. And when I stopped and I asked the question, what did Jesus teach his disciples? It didn't matter that I had a, a master's degree or um, an undergraduate degree uh, in Bible and theology and all this stuff. What I uncovered 
rocked my world. I've been to church every time the doors were open and never heard anybody talk about the stuff that Jesus taught his disciples. And uh, but ex- I've been examining some of the that. stuff. I think you've probably heard some of the stuff Jesus taught his disciples. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Jesus we read the passages. Love. Jesus we said, read "Love the, people." The... I'm sure that your church told you to love people. Yeah. Oh yeah, we had I'd read all the Bible numerous times yeah, yeah, yeah. and knew the Sermon on the Mount, knew that Jesus taught that to his disciples. But yeah, when yeah. he sent them out, the instructions that he gave them was a little different. What are we talking about the Mark? Mark 16, or what are we talking about? Luke 9, Luke 10, oh, Matthew yeah, 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 yeah. 6, Mark, yeah, it's, yeah, numerous times when he'd sent the 12 out, when he sent the 72 out. See, the 12, I was going, well, they're apostles. They're like the super amazing, forget that they were teenagers. They had doctor degrees, not just master yeah, degrees, yeah. they had doctor degrees. Yeah, they were like, just pulled off the streets, he just took 12 ordinary guys, <laughs> but I, I, I had always separated me from those things, like... We weren't ever meant to live the things that that they lived. And right. then I came across the 72 others. And he sent them out and told them to do most of the same kind of stuff. And I was like, wow. I, I, my degrees were in missions. Sent out. Go out into all the world. But no one ever said, go heal the sick. Go cast out evil spirits. Go raise the dead. And it was, I just want to put my Bible away and forget that I saw it. When I saw it. Because it was, I, I really, now that I know how to hear God's voice, I believe God spoke very loud and clear. Do you want an answer to your question about what I taught my disciples? <laughs> Here it is. What are you going to do about it? And I was like, uh, it, it is weird because I was, there's stories that I've told for a long time before I knew how to hear God's voice. And one of those was a situation where I, I was dating this girl and I, and I just knew it, it was not heading in the right direction. It was early on, nothing bad happened. But I knew I was not ready to handle it. And I remember going to my room, and the way I've always described it is plugging my ears because I didn't want to hear God. I didn't know how to hear God then. And I never say that I didn't want to hear him, but I'm, it literally, that's how I've always described it. And I'm going, so I did know his voice back then. Now it was the Bible, and I would pray, and I couldn't have told you that I heard a voice necessarily, but I, it was very conscious. I was like, la, 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 I don't want to hear you right now because I was like, I'm dating the prettiest girl in school, you know, and I don't think God wants me to be doing this and I don't want his opinion. And the Bible doesn't say, date this person, don't date this person. So, but I... but I, I would make I, things a lot easier if it I, did. I couldn't have told you that I knew his voice. It was, it was his spirit speaking to my spirit going, you're headed on a bad path. Get off now. So while you're reading, looking up for what God told the disciples, you're like, I'm hearing God again. And you're like, I don't know if I want to yeah, hear this. Yeah. I, but again, I would never have said I hear God yeah, yeah. because we weren't allowed to hear God. You weren't supposed to hear God. Once so, the Bible was canonized, obviously. Right. Yeah. And he stopped talking. Anybody who says they God heard so God is he trying like, to add oh, to the Bible. Finally, I can rest yeah. my voice after yes. 5,000 years. I'm going to be silent for the rest of eternity. <laughs> Just let him read my book. And uh, I'm going to go into hiding. And, uh, but that's not what he did. And go uh, into hiding. <laughs> no, he sits on his throne. I am so busy up and, here and, and you guys are not up. important. That's why I, I actually was pretty sure I was just not important enough. Like I could see him speaking to patriarchs and maybe there were a handful of people that were still important enough for God to talk to, but not me. I, I, I couldn't register on that scale. Now I see it totally differently, but, um, 
I, I didn't realize that that's one of the things Jesus was teaching his disciples. He, and he's saying it. I don't do any, anything of my own initiative. You know, I looked that up in the Greek. You know what anything means? Probably nothing. Right. <laughs> Doesn't mean, it means something. <laughs> and and uh, so, like, he doesn't do anything unless he sees the father doing it. Yeah. He so he is connected. He's, he's John seeing five. the father. He is hearing his voice. Yeah. And, and he repeats that mostly in the book of John, but he repeats it a number of times. Yeah. And, um, so I, you know, I, I was going, I, I had this weird experience with a prophet walking up off the street telling me exactly what I had prayed never before in my life had I prayed anything. I don't think you've shared that full story on this podcast. I have not shared that full story. Okay, let's this. go the full Cecil story. Yeah, so, you know, I I, I was really sold out. I, I was going to be a missionary. I was ready to learn other languages, to leave America for years. My degrees were in that. I, I was like, I want to be as radical as they come. Not, not the most radical. I don't want to go to the Middle East, and I want to go to Africa. Because I want Europe, like the, the cafes. Okay, so I just try air, to be real. Air you know? conditioning. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I am sorry. Like I like I was In, I'm, I'm on, plumbing. almost as radical as you can find. But I was like, because the the spiritual condition in Europe was horrible. The places we were looking oh, to yeah. go, the need was as great as the 1040 window. Most people know that Belgium was one of the spiritually most needy countries. Oh no, it's yeah, and it was gorgeous. And so I was like, "Come on, like I'll go to one of the hardest skiing places the, to reach, the Alps and-, <laughs> and I will do my evangelism in cafes." I am laughing, but you know, it's like this. There was an old, there was an old song. Please don't send me to Africa. And I would sing that when I would like share with churches about going to serve God over in missions. Oh and for me, gosh. it was real. Like, the, don't send me to Africa. Because I thought to go to Africa, I'm gonna have to sleep in a mud hut. And travel on foot everywhere and have spiders and snakes and scorpions crawling all over me. Because every movie I'd ever seen from Africa, that's what it looked like, it seemed like. I didn't experience that myself when I went finally, and I love Africa. Um, I'm, my African friends are going to be listening to this, so I want to get that out really early. <laughs> like, I love, love, love going to Africa now, but yes. I was just spiritually, not, well, yeah, spiritually wimpy. I was more like, yeah, life wimpy in a sense, you know. Now I, there's nowhere I wouldn't be willing to go. There have been places I've been told by my wife I'm not allowed to go yet. And uh, <laughs> when people have dreams about you dying in India, sometimes your wife doesn't go yeah, for that. Yeah, and uh, she's not like Paul's. <laughs> Paul, you're yeah. not compelled. She's like, you cannot go there. <laughs> and um, there's probably been days that she would have said, oh, "You can go now." Stop, <laughs> mom. I hope you don't hear this. Mom, do you listen uh, to our podcast? I don't know if mom listens to our podcast. Uh, am I in trouble? I don't know. We'll find out if, if she hears she it. She doesn't like my sense of humor. I've been asking God to deliver me from my sense of humor in those circumstances oh, when she's around or when When she's trying to have a serious conversation with you. Yeah. Listen, there are some times that I'm like, oh, Dad, what are you th- you not thinking? <laughs> it's like a, a compulse. A My sister and I used to do that. It was, uh, it was. I must have we been programming. So off of the Cecil story, <laughs> like which is off of the we're supposed to be disciples. So let's finish the Cecil story. Cecil story. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, anyways, I got my degrees. I'm heading to missions, and I was like, okay, God, um, 
you know, I, I've been at this church. They had figured out a way to keep me for five years. I was supposed to be there one year and then fully supported overseas. And the story kept changing. The promises kept changing. And now I was like, okay, I, I, I love this. I love Brandon. I love this church. But I got to keep doing what God's called me to do. So I, I had pretty much made the decision. I am headed overseas. I'm giving you my resignation. I gave him a one-year notice. I've never heard of anybody giving a one-year notice, but I was going to try to raise support while they paid me to continue to do the youth ministry. That was also kind of an indicator of my lack of faith. I thought, I'll get paid <laughs> while I spend my time I raising money. That's just wisdom, I think. And uh, yeah, so I, you know, and they were in agreement with that. But I, I and, and I had people telling me that God told them I'm supposed to stay. Um, and one of them was our senior pastor. Another was a good friend of mine. And I was going, okay, I'm the lowest paid pastor on staff, you know, and our youth ministry is thriving. It makes sense. You know, you're going to use whatever card you can. God spoke to me because I didn't, again, yeah, I, didn't have a I had up. enough stories of people that had heard God and had amazing testimonies. It just wasn't in your vocabulary necessarily. wasn't in my vocabulary, and it yeah. wasn't part of my experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually think I had heard God a handful of times, but man, it would have had, I wouldn't have said it in exactly that way. I, I had some stories and, and some encounters, but, but here I was, um, had two people, you know, a best friend. Again, I'm thinking, yeah, we're such great friends. You, I don't, we don't, we don't want to say goodbye to you. That's what I tell all my friends before before they leave. Yeah. So, I was like, God, for me to know that it's you and not, because I didn't want to take the easy road out. I, I, now that I know God's voice, God was telling me to stay, but I thought that was my flesh, and so I think I'm battling my flesh. My fleshly desire is to stay here and and continue serving the city that I'm in. And I have a burden for it, a passion for it. I weep when I drive around the inner city. I don't know why, because I'm not going to stay here. I've never done anything in the inner city. So what? Why is this going on? But 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 I'm so I'm praying, God. The only way I'm going to know it's your will is if it's supernatural, because I'm going to doubt that I heard you. So either drop a granite stone out of the sky, like the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, that whole deal. Well, it was Moses. Charlton Heston was the movies, but the real deal, like a granite stone. And I know God could do that. So I was I was serious, even though it sounds kind of funny now. Um, drop a granite stone out of the sky with it etched in stone or sense and walk up off the street that doesn't know me from Adam to tell me God told them I'm supposed to stay here. I if do, one of those things happen, I, I, do wish, I will do it. I do wish God had chosen the granite. <laughs> that would have been much more fun. That would have been amazing. I could have carried it around. I mean, I would have set it up somewhere. It would have become one of those things that everyone's like, you're like, hey, at our ministry, here's the granite that God dropped from heaven. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, sure, that came from heaven. Yeah. You know, yes. Who did it? Where did you take it to get this yeah, done? This yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing about unbelief is there is no amount of evidence that can get rid of unbelief i don't know about that yeah i don't know about no amount of evidence think of jesus knocks you off your horse and People strikes with blindness it did help <laughs> <laughs> i think that the difference there though is he was sincere paul was sold out and sincere um sincerely wrong but but yeah seriously sold out and, and that's one of the reasons why i think god heard my cry and and answered it because he knew i am willing to stay and i'm willing to go I just want your will. Yeah. And that's, I think, such an important part of um, God. God talks to everybody. But continuing to hear his voice, if we're like, I, what would Jesus do? I would the, like your opinion. desperation for him. Then the Lord's like, 
why would I tell you what I want you to do? You don't doing anything I'm asking you to yeah, do yeah, anyways. Yeah. So that relationship. Yeah. And so sure enough, I get this prophet walks up off the street. No, you're at work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm just in my office and the receptionist calls me. I had fasted for four days. I was, um, finished my fast on Thursday, Monday morning, the receptionist calls me and she said, there's a guy here wants to speak to a pastor. Are you available? I walked out to the front lobby. It's one of those lobbies that are locked. You know, they have to buzz you to get you in, you know, la, la, la. So, know, so inviting. Fancy. Yeah, so looks inviting. nice. You know, it's a nice, you Come get, to there's chairs. Approved yeah. by the receptionist. <clears throat> yeah. Bulletproof glass. No, I'm kidding. There wasn't <laughs> that, but it, it, it was very professional. And, and so I come out there and there's a guy who doesn't look very professional. He's got long beard, long hair. His hands are dirty. He's missing a decent percentage of his teeth. There's an old beat up pickup truck outside the glass doors with like refrigerators and washing machines and other metal objects on there. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm figuring this guy's going to ask for money for his ministry or something like that. And there's a protocol we have to go through. So I'm like, how can I help you, sir? And he introduces himself as Pastor Cecil. He works with transvestites, prostitutes, homosexuals in the inner city of Tampa. And God told him to come in here and speak to a pastor. I'm still 99% sure he's about to ask for money for his Are ministry or something. Are you even thinking about your prayer that you had given to God at that point? You know, it's happening pretty quick. And, and it's so outside of my grid of experience that I don't know when it, Dawned. dawned on yeah, me you know sense. i do know when he was telling me it was hitting then like i i lit i i when i'm talking about it i act like i fell down on the floor and i didn't but it was that like oh it, this, like this is really happening yeah, yeah. i can't believe this and and i had one witness there and uh she's a receptionist and she still remembers it and and so I brought him back to my office. I can't remember if anybody else saw him that time. He did come back, and there were people ended up on the floor in our Baptist church office um, before he made it to my office. And if you don't put two and two together, he just would start telling people stuff about themselves that was right on. And I'm standing behind him going, I didn't tell him nothing. You know, like I'm not, I'm just mouthing it. I didn't tell him anything. I'm waving my arms and... And, uh, and, and he starts to pray for them and there's no pushing. There's, I don't think there was touching. I know when, when first time I fell down, I didn't believe in it. I had just spoken against it exactly almost to the hour, seven <laughs> days prior. Cause it was, I was, it was a couple hours before leading youth group and this kid had come to me at youth group. So it was all, like almost perfect. So seven days. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I ended up on the floor and had started having visions and there was no physical touch at all so anyways i but but back in you know the lobby he's answering a specific price i'd come back to my office we get back there because he has more words for me well part of getting him out of the so in the lobby he said god, you god well, yeah sometimes we feel it, like god wants you to go far away but he wants to use you right here to use me right here and i was like that's exactly what i asked i said god send him walk him off the street to tell me god told them i'm supposed to stay here yeah and that was the words that he said so then we go back to my office and he um, talks about two other things. Now that week for the first time in my life, I had never drank alcohol for the first time, except when I was in Europe and I had had first wine at a Baptist church for communion. Um, I'd led someone to Christ and they served me wine um, a couple times. Um, I mean, but I like one glass of wine each of those times. 
I can't remember if I'd had my first glass of beer. I had some missionaries serve me a glass of beer one time. I can't remember if it was before or after this incident. But I was like, okay, you know, God, my mom's freaked out because she found out that I had alcohol and, uh, and I'm not drinking, but I'm going to Europe. So I just said, God, do you have a specific will for me? I, I, I know that there's freedom in that, but do you have a specific will for me? And this guy, Cecil, says, um, God wants me to tell you to t- stay away from all intoxicants. Does that make any sense to you? I was like, how <laughs> does he know what I am thinking and what I have prayed? I haven't told anybody about that. Yeah, but your mama was praying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the one other thing, I, I, I didn't understand it. I had this strange burden for the inner city of Tampa. I would weep when I would drive to the airport and I'd have to see the inner city because I'd be taking mission trips, taking teenagers on mission trips to Mexico, to the Bahamas, and and I'm going right here. It looks exactly the same. Yeah. And I don't even know anybody in the I don't know a church. I don't know a pastor. I live in Tampa and, and I've never met didn't know a black pastor yeah, and uh, anybody from the inner city. And, and he's going, God wants to use you in the inner city of Tampa. And I was like, I knew that. I don't know how I knew that, but I knew he was answering some kind of, it wasn't even a desire in my heart. I just knew like God wanted me to do that. Yeah. And that's where that burden, that's where that cry came from. So he sang a little song, not a great singer. (laughs) I can tell you what the song was, but I'm not going to. And, and and it was just this cute little ditty and gave me a few scriptures, Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 33, walked around my desk towards me. And I'm like, what's he going to do now? Honestly, he kissed me on my cheek. Kind of weird. Don't know that I'd <laughs> ever had anybody kiss me on my cheek like that before. Well, my, I married a New York into a New Yorker family, and they did that early on. We, I, we don't do that anymore, but but it was kind of normal to greet each other with these kisses. And I I was always nervous because I was like, "Do you start to oh the right gosh. or the left?" And I was like, oh, "If I get this wrong with my mother in law, oh my god!" And I, I was like nervous, seriously. So so funny. Here's this long haired, long beard, dirty hands, missing half his teeth. Pastor Cecil walk around and kissing me on the cheek, and I was like, "All you could hear." Nobody's was- gonna believe me. No one's gonna believe this story. I'm. I gotta call my wife now and tell her. You know what I've been praying about going overseas and that whole thing. Okay, let me tell you. And and I honestly, I said, "Are you sitting down, honey?" When I call her and tell her, I'm like, "What do I do?" I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, "Who do I go tell?" Like this is the freakiest, most incredible thing that's ever happened. I had a receptionist that watched part of it, but I don't even know if she knew what I'd been praying. Yeah. This is so crazy. And that really rocked my world. It challenged the trajectory. There were things that I was already seeing in the Bible where Jesus did these things, and I was asking those questions because I was tasked with writing the discipleship curriculum. And then he sent someone to walk up off the street that I know. I was like, okay, this could have been the devil. You know, because the devil, but I'm like, he he would be more like, like, I I can't imagine the the devil would be more able to speak to me and more personal and know than my God. And he would supersede my prayer to, to lie to me. And I was like, possibly the other possibility would be coincidence just happens to me. This guy's pretty bizarre and he walks up to strangers <laughs> he and, did it at every church in and, the city. and he yeah. talks and i just happened that week to pray that prayer I, I am not a mathematician i was good at math but i can tell you that those numbers you'd much better chance of winning the lottery multiple times i think than that happening 
So I just was, this had to be God. And, and, and I knew it. I knew it in my spirit that it was God. And I never have had to look back and question, did I miss God? And, and that's why I prayed it that way. So I realized God does talk and I want to know how to hear his voice. That became one of the cries of my heart. Lord, teach me how to hear your voice. And, and, and it was interesting because eight months later, I get this call from him. I, it was weird because that day he gave me his business card and he said, call him anytime. And I'm like, was this person real or was he an angel? What's the deal? I call the number and it's disconnected. <laughs> and I was like, this is even more bizarre. I have a card. There's proof that a person made a card. Okay. I didn't make this card. It, it was given to me. But I can't even call this number. So when he calls, he had changed numbers, and he had my number somehow. How did he have your number? I don't know if I given him a business card or I I, I don't remember. <laughs> God exactly just how. said call this number, and he could have actually showed back up to the church. But I, as I remember it, he he called, and he wants to give me a word. Well, I'm like this dude here is God, but it's not going to be at my church because <laughs> he just doesn't fit the mold. You know, it's it's I got a cool story now. But this guy would wig everybody out, and they'll be around. And now they've heard the story. So I'm like, he's like, and he, he insists it has to be there. So I was like, all right, we're just going to get him back to my office as quickly as possible. And uh, so, so, so funny. I, I schedule, you know, I'm like, because I want to hear whatever he has to say. God's spoken to him. I, I had thought maybe he was just an angel and the whole card thing was a weird thing, but now he, he's back. And before we can make it back to my office, everybody kind of knows he's coming because I'm, I'm not good at being quiet about stuff. <laughs> and and uh, so when, when he's being ushered back, people would like step out in the hall and, and maybe have to ask me a question or something. They just want to see, get close to this guy. And the next thing you know, he's like, he's like, wait. And all of a sudden he starts giving them a prophetic word. And I'm like, I am going to be fired today. Do-da, do-da. Like, this is the end of my ministry career. Oh, the do-da day. I'm like, this, I, because we don't do this here. None of this stuff happens here. It was okay for me to have a story, but now for it to happen to other people and. The norm is Oh, is Lord, I was, I was nervous because they had other pastors that had had to be sent to plant other churches. We'll just put it the nice way that it was presented uh, yes. because they weren't inside the box anymore. And I'm like, oh, I am so far outside the box with this one that <laughs> you're about to be I'm sent gonna back get, to Belgium. I'm going <laughs> to get, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> and so I'm, I am, um, but, but we make it back to my office. There's two people laying on the, on their office floors. Half the office is witness seeing what's happening. And I'm like, okay, he's going to give me this word now. Now, the pastor and this inner city pastor that I was going to be working with had to be there to see this guy too because there's, there's a whole lot I'm skipping in the story. But I had now believed God was leading me to plant a multiracial church. In that eight months, God had made it clear that I was actually going to leave this church where I was at and go into the inner city and plant a multiracial church with this African-American pastor. And uh, so the inner city stuff was going to be taken care of and, and, and you know, all, a, a lot had been going on. So I have, um, we're in my office and he goes, before I give you this word, we need to go pray over your wife. She's having back pain. And I'm like, dude, you are freaking me out again. How do you know that morning in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning, your mom, my wife, Dawn had, had, um, she was pregnant. I think, yeah, she was pregnant with Rachel and she, um, had the, the baby was pressing on her sciatica 
So at two o'clock in the morning, when you're in a dead sleep, and all of a sudden you hear, ah! oh my gosh, that's like Adrenaline. blood curdling. Yeah, I'm like bolt out of the what, what, what? And she's like, my back, you know. And I was like, oh babe, and you know, I pray for her. We go back to sleep, and here he is going, we need to go pray over your wife. She's having back pain, and I'm like, how do you know these things? Nobody. We, I mean, I probably had said it in staff meeting. Somebody's either got his cell phone number and calling him and giving him play by play. Or he's hearing from God again. So we go to my house. Much more comfortable doing it there. My wife wanted to meet him too. So we end up there. And he prays for her. And then he turns to me to give me this word. And next thing I know, I land on the floor. And I'm having a vision. Now, it was 3D as vivid as we are sitting here now. Um, it, it is interesting because I've seen a lot of visions. And they... They all look different. This one was interesting because it started off 3D, but grayscale. So it was not full color. And then it became full color. But it was, I like. I felt like I could have reached out and touched it, but it, was, it, it wasn't all color to begin with. But it, a lot of details to this vision. Dawn actually got down to make sure I was still breathing because I'm like laying there for a little bit. It doesn't look like anything's going on. We're not used to this. We're not from a church. I don't, we didn't believe in this kind of stuff. And here I am laying there having this vision and she's okay. I'm alive. And, and uh, when I get up, I'm like, I'm going to have somebody to ask forgiveness for because in a couple hours, my drummer is going to be there at church. And I just like tried to straighten him out about visions and slain in the spirit and all that stuff. And uh, here I am laying on the floor having a vision and okay, I'm just going to eat humble pie. I'm going to tell this kid, I'm sorry. I, it just happened to me. And, but I had a lot to process because what God, uh, the way I describe it, God was destroying my God box. He was exploding it. I was glad for that. I didn't want God to fit my box. My box had been given to me, you know, over the years by good-meaning pastors, Bible college, seminary, books, theologians, you know, what God could do, what he couldn't do, you know, why he doesn't do today what he did 2,000 years ago. So that is my Cecil story, a kind of an expanded version. So, so you're now in charge of coming up with what is a disciple. You're reading in the Bible and you're experiencing somebody who experiences what you read in the Bible. Yeah. One time, he, one of those times he was in my office and I'm sitting there thinking, man, this guy's so weird. If we cut his hair and change his outfit a little bit and, and I could teach him what I know, because we know how to reach a lot of people. We know how to get people excited. Making church fun again was one of the slides in the movie theater back then. And that didn't fit hardly any other churches in the city. And, and uh, we were like so ahead of the curve, you know. Uh, now, I, I'm, I'm, I don't believe in that model now, but at the time I'm going, there's nobody else doing this around here. You know, we were copying people out of the state, out of country. Everybody's doing it now, but almost 30 years ago, it seems like nobody was doing it. Um, and so, so we're, you know, we're doing all that. I'm thinking like I could teach this guy some stuff and, and this could really thrive. And he looks at me. I haven't said that. I'm just sitting there in my mind. He wants me to make a little flyer for, and I, cause I did graphic design stuff for his Bible study that he's going to do. And he goes, you probably think because you're in this big church and big budget and nice building and all that, that you have a lot to teach me. And I was like, how does he know that? No. <laughs> you 
And he goes, let me ask you a question. Again, let me tell you, I'm already seeing what, what Jesus taught his disciples. He goes, how many demons have you cast out? How many sick people have been healed by your prayers? And I went from, like, I'm, I'm making myself look big, you know, I'm leaning forward, sticking out my chest a little bit. I went from feeling like that to feeling like this little... Little puppy with yeah, a tail between uh, his yeah, legs. Going, oh, here I am. You know, like, me, mealy mouth voice, like, what have I got? Yeah. Now, that's supposed to be what disciples are. It's what I was seeing in the Bible. And I go, I'm not that. And I don't know anybody like that. If you're like that, I want to learn from you. I, 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 Cause that's what I'm starting to hunger and desire. I want to see the stuff. I want to hear God, you know, speak to me. So that, that was radical life changing. I was glad to have my box torn apart, but I also knew the implications of it. I knew the implications of it. I, I think God like downloaded to my spirit everything that it was going to cost me in the moment that I first saw what Jesus taught his disciples. If you really want this and you take this serious, people are going to think you're crazy. You won't be able to get or keep a job at one of these fine institutions that you've been a part of in the past. Um, and I am going to take you on a journey that is going to be a wild ride. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to sign up for this. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I wasn't the first time that that hit me. And then it became more and more, okay, it is scary to lose your friends, your reputation, your... The, the life you've been. God, so much yeah. of Christianity is like you build an identity in the church. Yeah. Like I do this. This is who I am. This is how I serve. These are my giftings. I lead worship. I pray. I'm this person. Like so many people have identity in the church and it's like it fulfills needs that they have instead of, you know, kind of from God or whatever. It's like I have value because of who I am at my church. Yada, yada, yada. When, when I was learning to hear God's voice, there was a day that he told me you graduated today. And I was like, what? I didn't know I was in school for something. And uh, um, he keeps me in school. That's what the word disciple means, learner. And I was like, okay. And I knew what it was he was talking about. And it was a day that my reputation like felt like it was completely dead. My And my need for recognition and identity was completely dead. Now, I, I wouldn't say that it always stays dead. Like that always comes back. Um, if we're honest, if we're real, I want people to notice or I want people to recognize but but there was a point at which I wanted him so much that that yeah. meant nothing to yeah. me and and he takes me that's where I I believe that I live more often like that's not what I'm about but I just got to be real there's times where you're like going hey I'm here I want you to notice you know yeah. like and uh yeah and the Lord's like really do you need that again and I'm like Feels nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. So disciple. So where do you stand now on disciple? Oh, well. Do, you know, go make disciples, teach them to do the same things. Where do you stand on that? What are your thoughts on that now? Yeah. Um, Should we all be like Cecil? <clears throat> I love Cecil. And I, there's a lot. At one time, people would go, I want to meet Cecil. And... Um, I, I want to, I want to be honoring to him, but I wouldn't introduce people to him anymore. Um, I have a conviction about that and, and, uh, I'd rather be personal in my explanation of that than over a broadcast. 
But just because someone operates in gifts and anointing and calling and 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 has some keys of the kingdom doesn't make them Jesus, doesn't make them God, doesn't make them infallible. And that was a part of the journey that was important. I saw the brokenness in some of the people that that walked in things and I knew were real. I knew biblically they were real. And and the Lord was like, Richard, look back at the people you've served with who didn't walk in any authority, which ones of them had it all together and didn't have brokenness. And I was like, well, they didn't have this kind of brokenness. And the Lord's like, and it was just like, like, so separating like the person from Jesus, you know, and from their gifts, people can have amazing gifts of the spirit can learn to do just about anything and still have character flaws and issues. Um, you, you can have um, the gifts of the spirit and not have all the fruit of the spirit operating all the time. So not, none of us does, <laughs> you know, you're saying you don't have peace and joy and patience at all times. Just about. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> it's, it is. It, yeah. I, 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 I want to be more like Jesus all the time. Yeah. So what I believe is that there is a plumb line that's worth looking at. That I believe that there are, are so many deception models that um, aren't looking at the right plumb line. And, and I do what know is a that plumb line plumb line when uh, in now we use level la- laser levels. Okay. That'll tell you when something is straight up and down uh, or, um, you know, perfectly horizontal. The plumb line used to be that it was, it was a weight um, that was shaped somewhat like a plumb um, that would oh, hang straight up and down. Yep. Yeah, interesting. And so that was the line and, and you needed that because if you try to do it by your own, estimation and guesstimation walls can look a little wonky and uh and, and you can tell when someone hasn't used a plumb line you can walk up to a post <laughs> and if you have the right tool you can go who well posts can be knocked you know but it, but if someone has said it and you're an inspector you can come in um like but, but what if you have a calibrated eye <laughs> okay <laughs> yes so that's a joke for gideon who listens to the podcast <laughs> Okay, so are all disciples supposed to heal the sick and cast out of the spirits? I believe that, that... Every Christian who believes in Jesus should heal the sick and cast out of the spirits. I believe that that what God wants us to be is learners, and that all the keys of the kingdom are available to all the children of God, and that, that ultimately God has a, a picture, like a vision for us that's greater than we have for ourselves, Okay. He he has strongly agreed. he has created us, and his vision is so much greater. So you can be a Christian and not do all these things, and you're going to go to heaven. It, you're not better Christian because you do or because you don't. But it says in Romans eight that all creation is groaning in eager expectation for the sons of God to arise. I believe God wants to raise up sons of God, disciples, apostles, and that if we will seek to be discipled to learn that anyone can operate in the authority of God, the power of God, um, can see signs, wonders, and miracles. I believe that it is part of our inheritance. Paul was begging God, praying for the Ephesians. I pray, I, um, I earnestly 
ask the Lord for these things, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may understand the glorious riches of his inheritance and his incomparably great power that's at work in you, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So what I believe he was praying, if, and, and you can read that in Ephesians 1, is he was praying, God, let them understand the inheritance. It's already theirs. It's not, it's not what they get when they die. Because part of that inheritance is an incomparably great power. The same power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you, and it's available to me. And, and oh, man, I, I did not get that in Bible college, seminary, PhD work. They didn't make you read that verse? I read the verse. I, I'd swear some of the stuff was snuck in my Bible. Like, some of my favorite passages, it's, it's interesting, too, because... Coming from a more dispensational um, the covenant theology, yeah, it, uh, I'm, I can throw around seminary and, and cemetery terms, um, <laughs> and I can explain what those are. There's different theological frameworks, okay, and and many of them were built to explain. I, I here's here's an interesting thing: the evangelical world often accuses anybody who talks about the supernatural as building their theology on their experience. Obviously, the tr- the opposite is the truth. <gasps> the, the, it, it is like a smokescreen. In fact, very often when someone is arguing different vantage points, what they do is they take an argument that would defeat their viewpoint and use it, and it's like a smokescreen. It's like if I keep you looking at this, you won't look at the weakness of my argument. Okay, so they've built a theology to explain why they don't experience the supernatural. It's it, their theology is based upon the fact that today we don't see as many miracles as we used to. So we need to now understand why Scripture says that. But the Scripture doesn't say that. I believe very strongly Scripture doesn't say that. that there's, it takes a lot of work to def- defend that and it's, and it's twisting of Scripture. Scripture more supports a supernatural God transcending our natural um, existence in so many ways. The God Speaks Bible is one of those things that um, I, I feel like it creates for me a radically unfair advantage if I'm going to debate anybody on the subject, like of God speaking, because it's colorized. I've colorized every time that God speaks. You came with notes and you're prepared. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like, Travel. I wish there were days that I you're was sitting like there. That, uh, Trump, the, what's that lady, <clears throat> the, the Trump's person who always brought her by. Oh my gosh, her spokesperson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. she was amazing. But, but it, you know, cause I remember hearing people argue stuff and I was like, I That's don't have, an, I don't have enough scripture to, to refute this. I've not read enough, I, but this is unfair. Cause even if I forget, if I forgot all the different ways now it's, I just thumb through it and go, the purple is first person, the voice of God. Look at any of those passages and tell me they aren't who's speaking here with God or who got, who is God talking to? And I actually have it listed at the beginning of each book who God spoke to in that book. And this is your commercial to buy the God Speaks Bible. It's available on operationlifeforce.com <laughs> and Amazon and all places that books are sold. And the and and but it was like like for me that radically changed my my view. I already knew to, I was hearing God's voice. I was teaching people how to hear God's voice. Almost anybody that we teach can learn how to hear God's voice. I believe Anybody can hear God's voice. I believe God has spoken and speaks to everybody. I do believe that there are people that God stops talking to. Scripture supports that because they're not listening. 
Saul was that, that way. He's like, I no longer, it, it, whether he stopped hearing because he stopped listening or he forgot how to hear God's voice, he had been relying on a prophet. Yeah. That's one of the ways God speaks. And, that, and, and so rather than hearing God for himself, Samuel's gone, he turns to a witch. God still spoke to him. We don't recommend that. Though. Yes, that is definitely one of the things that is spoken against. And, and Just because it's in the Bible doesn't make it biblical. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it, but it was like, God's like, you want me to talk to you? And you're turning oh. to a witch. This is not going to go well for you. And here's the consequence. He and his son are dead very soon after that. And, and it was a result of turning to that witch. But Samuel comes back through some means, through the witch, and she freaks out because she's not used to something like this happening. So it, it was bigger than her normal experience. She realizes it's Saul who's there, who's threatened to kill all the witches. Ah, what a mess, you know? And, and, and if the sad thing today is that so many more people are turning to Ouija boards and witchcraft and stuff like that um, than to hearing God's voice. Well, and they, the they just think all of it's not real. They yeah. just think it's all for fun. Yeah. And, and we should be turning to a, a God who speaks. So yes, the Every, long, the short answer is yes, I believe everybody can. I don't believe it's a part of your salvation. I don't make you, I don't believe it makes you more saved or, you know, we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. So it's not about how many crowns you get or badges on your lapel. You're a wanna, you're a wanna little diamond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but, but I believe God wants us to believe for more than what we have believed for. I believe what he, I believe what norm was normal in the Bible is what people call extreme and radical and super Christian today. No, not what was normal in the Bible is what people call heresy and oh, yeah. stone them. Yes. And- Run them out. We're going to build a website to show all the things that you did that were... We're not comfortable uh, with what you're saying. We're not comfortable with what you're doing. I need need a safe space. I need a... What's it called? A panic room. Yeah. What do you mean? No, you said that you're uncomfortable. You're unsafe. No, that's what pastors say. There's going to be panic rooms in churches one day. I can already tell you. You know what? There probably is. Somebody's going to have to comment a link to a church that has a panic room in it. I'm not going to guess where it is, but... I, when I think of the Great Commission, the thing that always stands out to me is the powerful language that is used. I say powerful. There's not a lot of powerless language in the Bible. Yeah. I, I, never, I can't think of any time where Jesus said, try, or when Jesus said, I can't. You know what the nor- most normal prayer for I healing ha- is? I have to even. The, and and I, I've surveyed this all over the place, and people almost always come up with the right answer. The most normal prayer, the, the highest... Now, not circles that we run in today, because a lot of people... You're talking about if it's your will? Yes. If. That doesn't sound powerful. If it's your will. That doesn't sound powerful. There it, are people freaking out right now that, even that will the cross, listen to this. Even the cross, Jesus doesn't say, I have to go. It says, for the joy set before him, he... Chose. Chose. Jesus was not a victim. Jesus didn't have to do anything. Jesus chose. It, when it comes to the Great Commission, he didn't say... If you're called, when you're ready, he After said... After enough degrees. He said, go. And then he didn't say, give it your best try to teach people. He said, make. Yeah. You know, I, I, 
I will say I have a PhD. I have a master's of divinity. I have an undergraduate degree, but you know, I have what a community that... college associate degree. <laughs> you know, throwing out. <laughs> and, but here's the deal. You are more qualified to, uh, as a son of God than I was with all of my degrees. Uh, thank you. You have experienced more of the presence and the power of God. And that doesn't make you better than somebody else. Oh, it gosh, doesn't make no. you better than me. But it's... It, it, but An experience in a theology doesn't make anybody better than anything. Like, if I, I believe... If I believe different parts of Scripture than other people believe, there's no way that that elevates me in any way. If I pray in tongues, it doesn't make you better. No, I I used to think that people that beca- yeah. who prayed in tongues thought they were better. I haven't met too many people... I, Okay, maybe I have. I just don't hear that kind of language, yeah. and it's not even in my thoughts or vocabularies. Um, but but it, it, I think there are spiritual giants, like legitimate people who have changed the world for Jesus, who didn't believe in healing the sick, casting out evil spirits, and mm-hmm. raising the dead. Yeah, who absolutely were in love with God, who did a lot of the things that Jesus commanded us to do. Not all the things, but a lot of the things, and were better people than I am. And, yeah. And change the world more than I have. No. So it, it not it, that I want to set the bar there, but doing the stuff of the kingdom doesn't make you better, holier, anything like that. But it but why not? What first of all, if if it if it is part of his command it, if Jesus did give a plumb line, if he did set the standard still can't connect with that. Let's use a different analogy. What do you mean? Plumb line. Still just got no <laughs> visual a plumb rock. If the, the, you have to have a target. You have to have a goal to shoot at. Yes. Jesus okay. was the floor. He was he was the one that was like, if you want to know how to do it, you don't want to listen to Satan. You know? Strongly agree. You don't want to listen to people that have are so different from Jesus. I hate when people are like, I'll tell you what I believe. I have to go listen to my pastor first. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what, to find out what you believe? Yeah. You have to go find someone else to tell you what you believe. I, that for or me, my parents. Like, for me, that, that was that. I think that disintegrated when I was in a Baptist college, because I loved the Word of God. My life had been changed. I had a relationship with God, and and uh, and I. This is not true of all Baptist colleges, but I'm in this Baptist college, and I'm going to study religion so that I can be a pastor. And I learned the first day that there's three contradictory creation accounts, and I'm like, going, what? And I learn uh, higher textual criticism. Some people, that's a whole new thing that it has a, it's got a new, much nicer packaging on it. That's a whole nother topic that people are tearing apart the word of God um, in the name of intellectual honesty with scripture. Well, that these people supposedly intellectually honest with scripture and it was so twisted. It was so perverted and demented. And one day I asked one of my professors, do you read your Bible? He goes, I'm teaching intro to the New Testament. What are you talking about? And I'm like, no, do you read your Bible? And he goes, I, I teach the Bible. I- I'm a professor here of the Bible. But do you read your Bible? He goes, son, I don't know what you're trying to get at. And I'm like, why won't he answer my question? I knew he was dodging my question. And I actually had some other students because everybody was like, every day we go, did he say anything wrong today? And I'd look at him like, I'd be dumbfounded. Like I would love to go to Bible college. Like th- th- this wasn't even Bible college. This was a uh, liberal arts Christian Baptist college. I would love to. First go to year, that. 
I would love to go to college. Oh, man. I was like, well, you were going to go. And then you, like, it also, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a yeah. tough experience for a week. Um, <laughs> but so so I, I um, you know, would debate these professors. But here I'm asking this professor, do you read? And, and so I finally had to rephrase it. Has it been years since you actually opened a Bible and read it? And he goes, yes, but I don't know why that matters. And I was like, you've answered my question. Thank you very much. That's what I want to know. Because I know you can't read this book. You can't meditate on it. It'll change your life. It'll ter- change your world. That's, I think what you just said is like the, the word is alive and active. But I think too many people miss the alive and active part and are chasing the intellectual information for agendas for uh you know just you know whatever like if you search for god in the bible you're gonna find god and if you search for information to use you know for whatever you're gonna find information to use and you're gonna miss what radically changed my life because i I, one of the good things that i learned in bible college was how to let scripture stand on itself how to dig in deep and look at the greek the hebrew and and I would look at every passage on a subject. And so there were many things that I had been taught, and the Lord even said this to me. And I, he said it this way, I have a lot to unlearn you. And that's not good English, oh, but yeah. when you when you are proud of your education... That's why, and, that's why I like being a youth pastor. And you think that you're supposed to... That that's what qualifies you, that everybody should listen to you, is your degrees. God humbles that. And I'm like, I'm probably not shouldn't correct him right now. That's not the correct sentence structure <laughs> when you're hearing God, and uh, and I'm like, what does he mean? Unlearn me a lot, and and he and he set me aside. He said, I don't want you doing anything in any church, and it was a two year period. Man, I'll tell you what, the first Sunday, if you've checked the box every time, unless you are dying, unless the yeah. snow was eight inches deep, you know, if if you've checked the box every time, you never miss. It feels freaky to not go to church. Oh. You didn't have to live up live that way, but um, what do you mean? Well, you were part of those two years that we didn't. Go yeah, to church. I was also like four, so they, that's not. I don't remember. It's not a great, <laughs> great analogy. Yeah, my four, four-year-old me was like, "Woo!" No, I, uh, I remember going to church every. I mean, I went to church like five times a week until I was like married. Like legitimately, I went to church. I don't. I can't. I don't think there was ever a prolonged time I didn't go to church multiple times a week. Really, in my life until, until honestly, this past sabbatical that I took. Yeah, that was like the first time that, like, if you if you think about it, I had been a youth pastor or in some leadership for church ministry since I was fourteen. Like that's when I fir- we first started that youth group, and I was preaching regularly since I was fourteen. And like when I was in high school and college, I went to a college group Tuesday night. I led a, a youth group on Wednesday, then went to a college group Wednesday night, went to a different college group on Thursday night. And then there was a once a, a Friday college group that I went, like, I was yeah. like, I was in church every day. Like, I thought you were sneaking off and doing wild stuff all the time when you said you were going to, no, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't go necessarily for, for the church part. It was more for the hanging out with people, if I'm going to be a hundred percent honest, but there were a couple, I'm not going to lie, there were a couple of churches I just went to because nobody else believed what I believed and I would just go to debate. And it was just, <laughs> I just looked forward to it and I, I just, and like, I had known a lot of the people for a while. So it was like, it was friendly, but it was also lively. It was, <laughs> it was good. But that was the I only wish I could be a fly on the wall on some of those. Listen, I was a very 
arrogant uh, there's proud there's like a level past that you know like people think that they're god you kind of mentioned that i like i was i was i remember this is bad you were on staff at a church and i remember thinking i could lead this church better than this pastor and i i think i was like 11 or 12 <laughs> so yeah, oh lord was, forgive us that was yeah yeah that's uh, uh, I yeah. You know there are times when when you've walked in the things of the kingdom and you're sitting in an environment that hasn't. It, it's hard to. Navigate. I heard so that was one of the things that I took from your messages. Hearing the way you talked, like I went to college and I didn't learn any of this. I was like, oh well, since my dad now knows this and I now know it, I'm better than everyone who went to college. Like I internalized almost everything you said as superiority. Yeah. Like what we believe, what we see, what we do makes us better than every other church mm. and every other Christian. And so, yeah, I held that way too long. Mm. So that is something I. I strongly yeah. don't have that now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I pray against any of that. I, I ask the Lord to cleanse that because there, there is. Yeah, the, I, it, I don't think it was your message in any well, there, way. Th- but there's the sense too that you but, want everybody to have when you have something that is of value, and that's the keys of the, the the kingdom of God. He talked about you would sell everything you have to have it, and I believe I'd have, and and that what we have is like I got a pot of gold. It is so incredibly rich and get to see miracles. Like now, now one of the tough things is carrying and stewarding that. If I'm in a church, there's times that I'm going, is it okay for me to shift this aspect of the spiritual? Cause I don't have to have a microphone or a stage. Yeah, yeah. One of my things is, so the last couple of years got to go to a bunch of different churches and I realized a lot of churches all believe a lot of the same things. And you know, I think we, we've kind of talked about this. I, you know, I went to, I mean, like every denomination in the last couple of years, pretty much. And I heard, I mean, such similar messages from everyone, you know, like they all listen to the same podcast or something because, you know, we got, they're all talking about healing the sick, casting the spirits, raising the dead. They're talking about SRA. They're talking about, you know, you know, I never selling out prayer and fasting. Like that's like every church I'm going to is pretty much talking about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. I'm like. You know, that's really cool. But one of the things is that I was like, I don't want to live with any more spiritual authority at a service than I do day to day. Like yeah. if I'm not doing that day to day, I don't want to do that. Like, that's what the Lord, where the Lord freed me. Cause I was going, there's not a church that wants me to do this, that would let me do this. And, the, and then I saw Jesus yeah. and part of what he, what he, what I saw is the times that he got in trouble was when he did it in the synagogue. Yeah, yeah. He could do it seven days a week. Nobody cared. And well, and he nobody. didn't always mess up every synagogue service by doing something because <laughs> the father was like, yeah, just take it easy today. I think, you know, maybe eat some grain after the service. <laughs> and other times he's like, this scripture is fulfilled <laughs> yeah, in your presence. Yeah. That's right. I'm him. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he was messing with the religious structure. We, it, the kingdom of God is bigger than our seven, than our one day a week or three days a week or our, you know, this service, that service. And, and, and he's working all the time. I used to, I used to ask churches, pastors, I would used to say how, how I want you to be the church and don't have a service, be the church and don't have a service. And they would just like, look at me like, uh, this was when I was like 13 and super arrogant, but I was like, yeah, you don't have any grid for what the church is other than your precious little hour on Sunday morning. Which is, I apologize, Lord, again for. I'm sorry about any influence I had on <laughs> you <laughs> towards that. I, 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 it was exciting because I was, I was, I remember you guys coming to me and going, Dad, would you disciple 
meet us and our friends. And and you started like, and a lot of them were even. Was that me or Philip that said that? I honestly don't remember. Because I had friends who told I, me, they're like, Andrew, like you should start a Bible study. We love all the stuff you talk about. So then I started a Bible study and then you ended up preaching probably half the time or more. That we played dodgeball and we had like forty, we had like thirty high school kids who come for the dodgeball and for the preaching <laughs> on our back porch, and we would stick, we would stick almost twenty kids in the minivan yeah. and drive them to the park to go play dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna come and rest us. No, no. Uh, what's the statute limitations yeah. on too many people in a minivan? Oh my gosh. Well, it was, and it was all through the back roads in our neighborhood too. Okay. With the time change, the youth group that I'm at, I was like, Hey guys, it's light enough. Let's play dodgeball. Like legitimately the first (laughs) week that it was light enough to play dodgeball. I was like, I want to play dodgeball because I want to play dodgeball because I love We invented a game. Chairball. Chairball. We're not going to go down that road. That was fun though. That was like epic. It was like people's favorite game. Not all, this is bad. When I was interviewing for the church that I'm at now, they asked me like, what are you most proud of for ministry? (laughs) And I said, this is really bad. I sat there quiet for like five seconds. I was like, oh, man, this is bad. The only thing that's coming to mind is this game that I invented with a youth group. That's the only thing that's coming to mind. I invented it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it and is so, funny how your memory is yeah, like yeah. of different things because I was like, yeah. Well, one of the churches that we taught it to, they actually thought they invented it about two and a half years after we brought it, after yeah. we had been playing it, we brought it to them. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Now, well, it, it is weird because like there's a, there was a famous... Um, prank that happened at our school and uh, I have my memory of how that went down of course I was more the fly on the wall shooting suggestions but I don't I think the people that pulled it all off and because I would describe it these are the ones that did almost everything may not even remember me being a part of it but I just remember going guys you should do this and you and like being like the mastermind behind it but i was too afraid of retaliation to like get my hands dirty that just sounds like wisdom and uh so i don't know if I, they remember me or not but we we all won the there was a, a like a couple years back a um Best a contest and you were supposed to write and i was like this is i like there's those things that you do that you're going no one's gonna top this this is gonna win and we were i was right you know but there were the guys that actually pulled it off it was like the three of us that shared it and i'm going do they even remember that i was like in the room when and and threw out the suggestion but then there's because when you there was stuff that i thought i was originated it that i taught that then i'm like going oh man arthur burke was teaching this (laughs) and i heard arthur burke 10 years ago i was like i forgot that i heard it you know because you like and then i've seen that with people that i've like i've tried to pour something into them and they resist it and then one day they come to me months later and they're like the holy spirit showed me this and i'm like Oh, no, did you've he really? never heard that before. So as long as I've been running, you know, it's like walking humility and all that kind of stuff. Even if you think this is a great revelation, somebody's yeah. already had it. And maybe you heard it from someone else. And so nothing new under the sun. Yeah, I, I did. I, I do remember the first time I ever heard Bill Johnson speak because I didn't know anybody that was talking about the stuff I was talking about. And I really was like, am I the only one? I kind of knew I wasn't, and I knew some people that did some, but the the whole vision of like a school and discipleship school and teaching people supernatural ministry, and I was like, he stole it from me, and he's got 10 years on me. Well, he couldn't have stolen it and have 10 years on me, but it was weird because I'm like, he is speaking verbatim what I believe God has, and, and he's doing it. 
you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's humbling too. Yeah, if anyone wants to join Light Force University, we're gonna be we're gonna be launching a school at some point whenever we have enough people interested. Yeah. So, sometime in the next ten years. Anything else you want to talk about with discipleship? Um, how, how do we become disciples? I believe that it, first of all, God. I'm a Christian. Does that make me a disciple? I it, prayed the sinner's prayer. Does that it, make me a disciple? It was interesting because I heard a warning. Well, I saw a warning in the Bible. Jesus said to the Pharisees, "You make, um, make uh, your followers are twice as much sons of hell as you are. Your disciples. And I think it, I think he used the word disciples. I have to, I'm not looking at that passage right now, but it was heavy because I was like, you can be sincere." And teaching people what you believe is the most important thing. I, and I had that. I had a guy on the edge of my bed, I remember, in Bible college. And I was like, you're not leaving here until I get on my knees and confess John Calvin as my personal theologian and second savior. And he was just like, it's because I care about you. And I, I said it kind of like, like, wow, like you are so zealous over this. And, and he couldn't separate that. Calvinism was the final authority and he was discipling Calvinists. And, and I'm like, the more I see what Jesus taught, it it wasn't Calvinism. And some people are going to freak out. the Calvinists, (sighs) And and I'm like, it's not what he focused. He didn't take his time and teach the five points of Calvin to his disciples. And so, I, I, you know, I think I say that because not every discipleship is equal just because it's called discipleship. In fact, I, I wanted to lose that word because all the discipleship curriculums that I had done and I had, I had did it because I was sold out. And so anytime there was a discipleship class, I wanted it. And it was typically the old people and it was a small number out of a large church that were taking the discipleship course. But I was like, serious, none of the stuff that Jesus taught his disciples was a part of those tithe, go to church, read your Bible, highlight your Bible. Now, I believe in all of those things, but I don't see Jesus going, okay, disciples today, we're going to talk about tithing. And John, I noticed that you haven't been tithing Ooh. and uh, we're not going to let you go on this next uh, you know, crusade with us because that's more important than you going out and casting out demons is your tithe. Like we don't see that. And uh, you know, th- there were good things for, for you know, confessing your sins. Great thing. I believe it's right there in the word of God. But, he, but he, you know, it, repentance was a part of the message that they were sent out. So I'm like, what were the messages that Jesus taught? What was the, the things that he did? So I, I think some of it starts with going, my glasses might be dirty. My, my denomination might not have all the answers. My church might have all the answers. I want to continue to learn. That's such a hard thing because we're, we're taught to have faith. In like, like the institution. Let, and no, the, not that. that. Nobody thinks that they have the faith in the institution. Everyone thinks they have faith in God and the Bible and Jesus. Like, I, I used to have this conversation. Like, I go to these five different college groups, right? Or it's four, four different college groups. Every single person, if, if I asked, I asked this question. I actually did this one week. I said, do you believe in the entire Bible? Every word, exactly. Do you know what all four groups say? Who all believe radically different things? I believe in every word. So, so the whole, like, it's faith. Like, the person who believes in the, thi- like, in, in, in anything, completely contradictory things, it's faith. So when you're asking people, 
to have a different lens, that's like a dangerous thing to a degree. Like you have to like, like this is what I've put my faith in. And almost everyone who's going to listen to this podcast is probably old enough that their faith isn't something that they didn't just, well, my mom told me when I was four, like they probably have some basis for it. Right. How do you lay down what I believe God has revealed to me and I have faith in? Yeah. I can tell you my journey. Um, and, and I can invite people to, cause Paul said, follow me even as I follow Christ and, and, you know, challenge, challenge Timothy to make disciples, um, who would make disciples. So I, it is a model that's laid out in scripture. I, and I had always been going to discipleship classes, but, but when I, I said, God, I, I, I want to let your word trump the degrees that I have, all of everything I've ever read and learned. And I go back to God's word and, and, and I start with the question, what did Jesus really teach his disciples? Now it, for me, it was years because even, even stuff that looked blatantly obvious, I was going, then why isn't anybody saying this? That was a serious question. Like why do I, why have I never seen anybody cast out a demon? Why do we not pray for the sick effectively? We we had prayer meetings and we would have a list of people that were sick, but people weren't being healed. Just to be honest, you know, there there were occasional stories, and, we, and it was like, well, it must not have been God's will. Is the normal answer? And I'm going, and and I had accepted those answers. Those are, I would have given the same answers. So you were Calvinist. Uh, I won't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. I, I graduated keep from going. a school that was very reformed, but I had never um, I had one bowed my knee and surrendered to John Calvin as my personal. Theologian. One of the churches we were they were de- debating John Calvin, yeah. you know all that stuff, and uh, and they were. I was like, can I just ask three questions? And they were like, yeah. There's like, God dictates everything I do, right? They're like, right. And if God dictates everything I do, it's correct and right, right? And they're like. So then I slapped the kid right in the face in front of me. I was like, do you still believe in everything that God says to do? Whatever. And he just sat there kind of stunned. Like, like you just hit me in the face. Right. And so then I, I slapped his other cheek, like not gently. Like I like slapped this kid. I knew this kid very, very well. And he was like, you better be careful. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to punch you in the face. It's like, you got to ask God first if that's what he's going to you know, tell you to do. Right. And that was the only thing I said. <clears throat> so I, d- I don't recommend doing that again. Very arrogant little kid who thought that I was anything other than an idiot. Uh, but 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 it but like you're saying be a berean that's pretty much what you're saying go back and and so for me it was i looked over and over again what did jesus teach what did he do all i have to say is it's got to be hard to be a berean because you can't just search google yeah and you can't read a commentary they actually had to go read the whole bible I, I just kept in looking. In the temple, like not in their room, in their bed. When Jesus was covers. spending time with his disciples, what did he tell them? And and uh, how many disciples were there? And I, you know, I just looked at the word disciple and I looked at every meaning time that it was used. And then I looked at every passage where he was with his disciples and what he was saying and doing there. And then when I saw what he sent them out to do, I was going... Like that can't be what we're supposed to go out and do because I don't know anybody that does it. And that's easy to dismiss. It's easy. The the internet's made things a lot more like there were people doing this stuff for, you know, there's always been people doing this stuff. You just didn't know about it. You know what I'm saying? Like there, and, and the interesting thing with the internet, there's a lot of 
charlatans that are that make hoopla out of it and and i've seen those um but you can watch the real deal happen on the internet i'm not talking people. about miracles i'm just talking about people who have revelation and who teach and who yeah and then you know when they're coming to town so you yeah. can go hear them and i was thinking about like because in bible college none of us could we weren't listening to anybody anywhere in the world you either went sunday morning or you read about it in a book. You, there was no. There were. It was interesting because radio preachers are almost all the same, and then TV preachers. Then it's different. Radio preachers were almost all mainline evangelical. The internet changed so many things. It empowered people. Like people had a platform. Like, like, like if you wanted to have a TV show, you had to have funding. You had to have someone who would allow you on their TV program, right? And Radio- they picked the most sensational, bizarre, they ha- you know, entertaining. They had a model. Right now, anybody. Who can afford a phone can download TikTok and post whatever they want and they can get a following. Like it, it has changed the I would say the power structure in media has changed dramatically in the last 15, 10, 10 years, like dramatically. Yeah, I, I, I actually think that TV evangelists did more to set back people walk in and authority because that's what most people get in their mind that oh no you're gonna start i won't call most people maybe in your generation yeah in, in our generation back in the day you know i've like <clears throat> i have had to search archives to find benny hinn because that's like that's yeah. old like that's so old school like nobody yeah yeah and it's but that's what it was that's what it was that, it was it saying. was almost all media has changed and so much. and it was so easy to make fun of to discredit um and it, it was bizarre i remember one time getting my car changed i'm not gonna say who this person was but you know the puppets you know how the head bounces when they talk this person because the sound was off and i had i, I had never seen this person before but i'm getting my tires changed and the tv's on and it's one of these tv evangelists and his head moved like that as if there was someone you know with their hand in his his head was shaking and there was no sound coming out of his mouth, but every word that he said, his head was shaking. And I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in my life. The hairstyles, the clothing, all that. It was, they were picked because they were so dramatic. It, it got people watching. Yeah. And so people that were doing the real deal effectively, it just wasn't entertaining enough. And in fact, there were people now that if you don't do it a certain way, because that was their their grid. What I don't know. I, I think there are people who it's hard. First off, if you're going to be put on media, it changes people. So like you could mm-hmm. be doing it real, but then you have to put on a show tomorrow, and you know if God doesn't show up, like yeah. you can't have a bad off day. Like you know, like yeah. there's a lot of things that like. It, it there is pressure. I remember oh, feeling yeah. that like it's one thing to go to Africa and watch God do miracles, and then all of a sudden I had doctors come with me and they were like we want to see god heal the sick and all of a sudden i'm like oh god you better show yeah. up and, you have to pray a and I, yeah i was i was more nervous i had never been nervous before because i was like you know honestly when i went over there i i was so green in my discipleship journey yeah, yeah. and i end up in one of the darkest places in all of africa in all, in all the world supposedly um the witchcraft is the worst ever i don't know that no one tells me that until the week that I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've been there like 14, 18 days. I don't remember. Couldn't tell you how many times I spoke. We saw all kind of miracles happen. We had juju priests, you know, 
putting curses on. And I didn't know that. Then the pastors are telling me, do you know the men that look like this? And I'm like, yeah, they're the witch doctors. They're the most powerful witch doctors around. And they've been coming to your meetings. And you know when they're doing this and they're describing stuff. And I was like, I kind of noticed it looked a little weird. They're going, that's some of their most powerful witchcraft. The whole village has been watching um, while you speak and waiting for you to die. And the fact that you have not died has but, but caused well. many of them to believe. <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow, what have I been doing? And I'm like, well, I slept great. I've eaten well. This has been an amazing experience. And I'm like, thank God they didn't tell me the first day that this is what I was going to be getting myself into. I'm ready to pack up and leave. And uh, it, it got used, all that stuff. Like, wow, the power of God really is greater. Um, so the moral of the story is if you want to become a disciple, you're going to Africa and you have to fight Juju. Priest. Yes. That's the, well, the cool thing is you can, and you learn that you don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid. I mean, we're not going to sign up. We're not, we're not going to have, Hey, we're going for a Juju priest. Uh, we could, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh. Just no. to go back to those places. The problem is if people go for the wrong, with the wrong heart, the wrong motives, and they're not really walking in authority. They got open doors in their heart and life. They can come back with demonic stuff, um, and uh, and so you, you know, it, it, he says you will. I've given you authority to trample serpents and scorpions and overcome all the power, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I know people that are doing deliverance, and they they live in a lot of fear of retaliation. Like there, there were one day there in in this office where we're sitting right now. I had people that are named, you know, more people know them, I think, than me. I don't, I don't think of myself as having a big name, you know, people knowing me all over the place. I've been on Sid Roth. I've been on this, I've been on that. But I, I really just think of myself as somebody doing kingdom stuff here in Dover. Sure. Dover. Dover. It's funny when we were trying to find out about doing our signage um, and they were talking about the regulations in Hillsborough County. As soon as we said we were in Dover, the guy over like the regulations started laughing. It was, Oh, you guys are fine. You're in Dover. Just do whatever. And it was like, are you serious? They're like, yeah, you're in Dover. <laughs> it was like, Nothing okay, that's weird. And, um, and I, I love Dover. I'm not like dissing it, but it is interesting. Yeah. People, people have opinions. I, I am glad I drive a pickup truck cause I think there's probably more pickup trucks in Dover, but we're not a mile from Brandon and Brandon Valrico. It is interesting the difference from little town to little town, like the like what you wear, whether you put makeup on or not. Sefner, Methner, yeah, it, it, we're not three miles from Valrico. In Valrico, you look totally different. You drive something different um, at the Walmart, at the Publix, and um, uh, you gotta go a little bit past Valrico for 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 that maybe. Well, it does. It, it, it changes. Yeah, it changes. It definitely changes. Go out to Fishhawk, and it's a whole different oh, level. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's another and, world over um, there. So, but it, it that is so wild. It's such a short area. The difference. I love the Sefner Walmart. That's that's, you, that's an experience. <laughs> I love going to Sefner. And Walmart. then there's Plant City. I have been thrown out of the Sefner Plant Walmart. Plant City Walmart before. is so radically different than Sefner. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. We're not gonna keep running down that rabbit trail. I don't remember what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, Dover! Your Dover, your your name. We could take people. Yeah, people are scared yeah. of a uh, of doing deliverance because they think things are going to harm them and come against them. Yeah, and and um, 
But yeah, so I have I have people with authority, you know, people have done kingdom work sitting in this room and they saw pictures of my kids and my grandkids and they're like, oh, I would never put that in my office because which is this and which is that. And I'm going, you know what? I, I We have dealt with witches. We have dealt with Satanists and we we know what that kingdom is capable of. And it's sick, it's dark, it's demented and there are powers but his power is greater and we don't have to be afraid of the, in fact, I think fear is one of the biggest probably what open opens doors. The door, yeah. Yep. And so I, I, I haven't gotten rid of any of those pictures. I, I did stop it. The conversation, because like, I don't want my staff picking this up. They're like, you can never have anybody on your team who's ever had any kind of satanic ritual abuse. And I was like, God can use anybody who's been through anything. And that doesn't disqualify you. We don't have to be afraid of people that have been witches. I, I think some of the people that I see that have come out of that world have understood authority and power and, and kingdom stuff um, phenomenally well and, and make more on fire, better Christians. And, and you don't have to convince them. In fact, if you like go, demons aren't real. They would laugh in your face. I was asking one of them, I was like, so a lot of these type of things, and I was listening to a number of different things, people call, they, they, the majority of people that I know think of that as conspiracy theory. And she just laughed. And she was just like, they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and they think anybody that talks about this stuff is idiot. Because when you've been behind the veil of darkness, you've been into that arena, you know that... <clears throat> Yeah, it is sick, perverse, um, dark, evil. There is there is power, but nothing compared to the power of God. Will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Lord, that you have given us authority to trample serpents and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be afraid. Thank you, Lord, that creation is groaning for sons of God to arise. And Lord, I'm beginning to watch that across the world, across this nation. Lord, that more and more are learning who they are. They're learning about their inheritance. They're not afraid to say, I, I want more of the power of God. I remember people just saying, you don't want his power. You just want his presence. Anybody who wants his power is power hungry. And it, I want your presence and your power, Lord. Sons of God walk in both. You can't separate your power from your presence. One's not more holy than the other. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray that people listening to this podcast, would, would their hunger for learning the stuff of the kingdom would increase. I pray for their expectation of signs, wonders, and miracles would increase. To hear your voice the hunger to hear your voice, the desire to know how to hear your voice, listening to your voice, Lord, would increase. I pray, Father God, that um, I, I want to pray for the two people, Lord, that, that were supposed to be on here, God. They're kingdom people and uh, people that have made an impact for you. And I pray, Father God, uh, for um, yeah, healing uh, in those situations. And Lord, I, I just pray for the future of this podcast, Lord, that it's going to reach many people and that, that God, we're going to see an, an increase in the number of sons and daughters of God that are turning this world upside down. 
We bless you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As always, like, comment, and share, and let us know what you'd like, what you didn't like, and who we should bring on next.